What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. This is another uh, Weekend Warriors episode. So super excited about this. We had a lot of good feedback about the first one. And like I said, on the first one, on the first episode um, of, of Weekend Warriors, I think it's just such a speaking with people that, you know, have to be effective on the, the little bit of time per week or per month they get to fish um, and, and can be effective and catch fish. I think that's just a great way for us to learn um, and see what, you know, the kind of the important parts of putting together a trip are um, and, and capitalizing on that time you get to have. So excited about our guest today, but I got a few announcements before that. Um, I've been announcing this on each show, but please go check out the, uh, the Eastern Current Fishing Facebook group. So you have to, you know, be accepted into the group. If you go apply, you'll be accepted. But it's a community for everyone that enjoys listening to this podcast um, and watching the videos that we're putting out um, can can. Uh, join up together and talk and, and share fishing reports and ask questions and and kind of become a community together in, in which we can uh, you know we can all hopefully become better fishermen through uh, working together um, the other thing is what was it um, I think that was it I think that was all my announcements so oh we'll go through sponsors real quick thinned out a little bit they are I strike fishing is our is our main uh, co-promoter and sponsor. Uh, just an incredible tackle company out of South Carolina. They've got a lot of cool products, a lot of cool products that are coming up that I can't talk about yet that uh, y'all definitely want to stay tuned um, to hear about those. They're going to be, uh, you know, really hitting some niches that that we need uh, in the market. Uh, Eastern Angling, that's my guide business. Not really a sponsor, but, you know, why not plug my guide business while I'm on here? And then AFCO, which is a, a great clothing company and uh really good fishing gear for when you're out on the water whether it's really nice out or really rainy and nasty out they got the gear you need so without further ado i'm going to bring on today's guest zach kirby and uh here he is what's going on man hey thanks for uh having me on your show man i appreciate yeah, it definitely. i'm excited definitely man you uh you catch fish and you got a good reputation and um, just excited. I try. Excited to have you on, on. both of those. <laughs> I've heard a few really bad things about you, but I'm not going to bring them up. On the yeah, oh yeah. Thanks for not saying that in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. <laughs> um, but cool, cool. Um, so let's uh, let's get started with kind of the the basic question. I start all these out with is like, tell me your story. Like, how'd you get into fishing, and and uh, how'd you end up here in Wilmington? Are you from Wilmington? I am not. Okay. So my dad was in the military, so I was kind of bouncing around a lot. Um, started pretty much California for a while. And I fished a little bit there when I was like real little, okay. um, just, you know, freshwater stuff, nothing cool. And, uh, I'm not saying that like that. <laughs> I mean like, you know, a little pond brim and stuff right. on like hand lines, like with the neighborhood kids, not actually like, you know, going at it. <laughs> but, um, then we, uh, we moved to Guam for a couple of years. Right I talk on. about Guam a lot because in my head, it's like, I was little, and it was like this magical place that it's like unobtainable for me to get back there without dropping like $4,000 <laughs> on plane tickets. But um, I remember it a lot. It was beautiful, tons of fish, like everything, you know, it's on a volcano like most uh, islands are. And it's just, you know, huge drop offs, like tons of reef life. Yeah. And that kind of got me like I always wanted to fish like the locals there because they would go out and they'd catch bonefish and then they'd go out a little bit on little boats and catch mahi and like dogfish tuna and stuff. And God, I was just that's so baffled. cool. Because they would just hit the shore on these boats and like, you know, unload it right there on the beach and like start cooking it and they'd invite everyone over to their like little um little barbecue. 
And, uh, you know, it was just a really good time. And I remember just like being happy, being at the beach. So then I moved to Raleigh. Um, my dad got a job there. Um, and, uh, we were there for a bit and I, I always like pond hopped, you know, really tossing anything that a bass would pick up or a catfish and, uh, caught some pretty good catfish and bass, you know, got excited, kept the passion for fishing alive. Then I got my first kayak and I kept kayaking just to get to places I couldn't. And, uh, you know, I just, my family doesn't fish too much. So I didn't have that right, opportunity, right. you know, to go out on, you know, with them and stuff. So it was kind of like my own thing. And I made a lot of friends doing that. And, but I always missed the beach. Yeah. And so, um, I went to school at UNCW when I had the opportunity, I saved up enough money to go to school there. Cause I wanted to be near the ocean and I brought my kayak and then just kept hammering what I could until I learned what I was doing. That's awesome. And, uh, it's, it took a while, but you know, I got, I, I got some stuff I feel like is a little dialed in now. So heck yeah. Hey, can, kinda... can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I can't hear myself in my headphones. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're co- okay. you're coming across cool. good. Cool. Sorry guys. Everyone that's listening for that. I was getting nervous that I, that I couldn't be heard. Um, but, but sweet, we're gonna, we're gonna keep on rocking, but that's super cool. So growing up in Guam, um, what kind of fish, you know, it was it mostly saltwater stuff that you were seeing go on there. Fishing yeah, it, it was the, the islands seven miles wide oh, yeah. at its widest point. So yeah, so that's, you're, that's you're my, never, uh, that's you're my never far away. <laughs> you're never far away from the ocean for sure. So yeah, it was a big part of every day there. We'd go to the beach pretty much every other day. Right on man. And how, what'd you say? You might've already said this. How old were you when you, when you moved? I was young. I was eight to 10 years old. Dang. So very short time in my life, but very memorable. That's super cool. Um, my dad uh, dove a lot there. Yeah. So he would shore dive and go out on these other dives. But when he shore dive, I would snorkel or snorkel around the shallows while he would do that. My mom would be on the beach watching us and it, it was a good time. So right on. Were, were there much for, uh, for flats there? Um, not particularly, um, right off the beach for the first like 30, 40 yards, it'd be like two foot deep and then it would drop off to like 15. Okay. Then go out for a couple hundred yards at like 80 and then it would just drop down to 1500 feet. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm sure that, that offshore pelagic fishing was pretty, I guess you can't even call it offshore when you're, when you're that close to the beach. The, um, world record dogfish tuna. I don't know if it still stands, but it was caught from a kayak in Guam. That's awesome. Those are some badass Yeah. The YouTube video is insane. Like this guy's just wearing himself out fighting this. I think it's like 176 pound dogfish, dogfish, uh, yeah. Dogtooth tuna. And it's just insane. It's crazy. Like I, I, I talk our mutual friend Elias. I talk with him sometimes about this, or I talked to him the other day about this. Um, the fact of like being able to fight a big fish from a kayak. It's like it's at a certain point. It's like they're going to be pulling yeah. the kayak, mm-hmm. you know. And and if you need to apply more resistance, I guess if you have pedals, you back pedal on against him. But. Yeah, my my uh, current setup, I don't have uh, back pedals on it, so gotcha. I, I'm getting pulled with it. So big reds. If I uh, I foul hooked a cow nose ray once, and oh, uh, it towed me around for. Um, probably an hour and a half before I even realized it <laughs> before I realized it was a cow nose Ray. Like I was just getting tugged. I thought I was like in this awesome, this is a world record in, redfish. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm in this like inshore uh bull redfish and like 
the middle of summer. Like, what is it doing here in <laughs> three foot of water? I wish but, we could um, go back in time and make stingrays and other rays like desirable. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, for my, I wish my clients <laughs> would only be like, oh, this stingray is awesome, you know? Yeah. Or throw those. <laughs> I know you're not. Fun. I know they're not cobia, but throw those cow nose rays and hook one. They're they're uh, and you know what I mean, like. Yeah. But uh, even I, myself, I, had... I can't. I still think they're kind of lame. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the when I first moved to Wilmington, and uh, that was like one of the first things, like late summer, right off the Wrightsville Beach boat ramp. Yeah. I would just cast out like chunks of bluefish, and um, I I caught probably three rays. Each one was over a hundred pounds. Wow. And, uh, they, they wouldn't suck to the bottom. They would just fight. And I, I fought one for like an hour and a half. And, uh, I thought it was cool cause I wasn't catching anything else at the time. Yeah. So I was like having a good time, hey, but a bent rods, a bent uh, rod, you know? Yeah. It was fun. Well, cool. Now, if I hook into one, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> so let's but, talk um, about your, uh, your experience here. Like as you started the fish, when, when did you say you moved to North Carolina to Wilmington? Uh, Wilmington was, I think, 2014, 2014. 13. I'm not sure. Okay. Was that the start of like your, your serious, um, saltwater fishing? Like when, yeah, those... I would say, I forgot to mention, we lived in, um, like kind of near Topsail okay, for sweet. a little bit too, before we moved to Raleigh from Guam. And so I did get exposed to it a little bit there, mostly like pier fishing, yeah. you know, gotcha plug in for bluefish and stuff. And, um, but I was, I was still young like 12. So, um, yeah, got serious once I moved to Wilmington gotcha. and was able to devote some time to it. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, 2014 is when you showed up here in Wilmington and, and got after it. Um, what did, what kind of, did you know when you were moving here? Like, all right, I'm going to really get into fishing now that I'm going to be here. That, that was, that was the reason. That was the reason. You know, okay. Like, so UNCW was, you know, a great school for me, but that was the reason, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, I gotta go back to the beach. That's where I <laughs> need to be. Exactly. So exactly. Well, that's awesome. man. what, what year did you graduate at UNCW? Um, it was last year. Last year. Yeah. Sweet. Right on. Last right year. On. That's awesome. So, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about, I know we kind of did pre-show talked about some of the stuff we wanted to hit, but, um, some of the stuff you were saying really stood out to me. And I think the big one for so many people, um, when it comes to, I'm going to switch over to my camera, when it comes to, um, you know, being a weekend warrior and only having a little bit of time of time to fish is you have a lot of time to plan. You've got a lot of time to plan out your process, you know, the days you're going to go fish and also, you know, how you're going to go about that day. Um, you know, the tackle and stuff. So there's no reason if you're not on the water every day, but you got the evenings and you're stoked and you, you want to, you want to really produce when you're on the water to not plan and prepare really well. So what is your, I'm just rambling over here. What is your, uh, your planning process as far as, uh, you know, making sure that you're going to be the most productive when you're on the water? Well, I normally it's like, you know, like you said, like you have so much time to plan and you're trying to like stay motivated. You're listening to podcasts and watching videos like throughout the week to keep the stoke up. Right. And, uh, I start with the weather, you know, I look at the weather and I'm like, what's going on. And then I'm like, Oh, if it's good, I'm like, okay, I need to make a plan. If it's going to be terrible, I'm like, whatever. It's just going to be, you know, errand weekend or something. Right. Just doing <laughs> boring stuff. And then, you know, I start to look at like, all right, time of year what's the water temperature tides like well, how how is it going to look for those days or like what little time period i have so weather thinking about like my time frame like what time i have available and then i look at um 
like what I would like to catch. And then I compare that to like what I have the opportunity to catch, like what time of year it is, what's running, what are people saying? And uh, a lot of that I get from like talking to people, but like the, the internet is such a resource. So I'll pull up like old fishing articles from like Carolina sportsmen, Mm -hmm. fishermen post uh, fishing reports are awesome for that. Um, looking at NC angler, like recent catches, you know, people want to show off what they caught. Um, even like going to Instagram and just like hashtag, um, saltwater fishing at Wrightsville beach. Like people will post like recent photos and you'll be able to see like, Oh man, I don't know this guy, but he just, you know, let me know where he's fishing and where (laughs) what's running. So, um, stuff like that, you know, just trying to get as much information as possible to make like a educated guess of like where you're going to be the most productive. I, I feel like that's so important. So like once I figure out like what I want to do and like what I think is going to be productive, that's when I'm like, okay, where can I launch my kayak to be as close to that area as possible? And that's where like Google Earth comes into play a lot. Like, you know, normal boat ramps are great. There's a lot of public kayak ramps, but with the kayak, you can also just like toss it in the water anywhere as long as you can drag it to the edge. Right, right. So as long as you're not going through like someone's yard, because that's a bad (laughs) idea. Um so once you like do that and you have like your plan of what you want to do, you have your launch um, and you're excited, like Friday night, you're excited. Um, I always find that I'm way more likely to go if I prep the night before, like load everything up. Oh yeah. Like you wake up super early and you're like, Oh, I got to lift this, you know, 80 pound kayak onto my car. Like it kind of like, it's such a small thing, but it like, you know, it adds up. Everything like, feels huge when you're do. laying in bed in the morning early. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, oh, it's cold. My kayak's heavy. Like, no. <laughs> so I, I always try to load up the night before. And then, um, like, my biggest problem is, like, I love gear. Like, I love new gear. I love trying new stuff. But with the kayak, like, you're limited on room and you're limited on, like, what you can do out there because you don't have, like, a working space. So I always try to keep it simple. Like, unless I know it's going to be like a completely new area. Okay. I, I won't bring my fish finder. I, I won't bring more than, uh, two rods. Um, I just, and everything I bring is like multi-purpose. Like a lot of my rods are mediums. They're not like lights or ultralights yeah. or medium lights. Cause I, I do use medium light a lot, but, um, you, you want it to be dual purpose, yeah. like as versatile as on, possible. Yeah. Depending on what's happening. And, uh, that's what my, I use braid and I usually stick around 20. Yeah. Um, sometimes I go up to 30 cause it's still like, I think eight pound diameter. Like you can still cast it just as far as you want. Um, but you know, depending on what you're fishing, you don't want to be outgunned, but you also don't want to feel like you're, you know, swinging a Senator four at a, <laughs> t- a tiny little fish. Exactly. Um, so I keep it pretty versatile with my gear, like trying to, uh, you know, dual purpose everything. And, uh, um, when I get to my area that I want to fish and I think this is like what I want to do, um, I always start small with my lure and I always start slow and I kind of just work an area like that. Like I know a lot of people, you know, they, they got their search baits and they want to like search for fish. And I, I guess with a kayak, like you can't move as much. So whatever area you're going to be in, you better make it work Yeah, because it's a lot of work to get out of it. So I fish slow and small. And then if things are happening, I kind of move up from there to like larger profiles and uh, faster moving baits, unless I just know it's going to be, you know, awesome. And I'll start tossing, 
you know, five inch swim baits and stuff. Definitely. I think that a kayak too is such a great way to learn a spot. Like I never fish off a kayak, but I went and kayak fish with a buddy the other day. And, you know, in this area where I would have typically, you know, spent very little time, I spent the whole day on this one shoreline Yeah. um, and caught caught a bunch of fish because, because I had, I, I was forced to slow down and pick it apart and, where normally, like, I run into a spot, and if I'm not seeing what I want to see, I'm running out of there real quick instead of powering through it. And there's benefits to both, but slowing down and picking an area apart and learning it well, I think, is key. But then there's that fine line of knowing when, like, all right, this spot's burnt. You know, I need to move on yeah. and go to the next thing. Do you kind of? And that's when it's tough because you feel like if you leave, you know, it's it's tidal areas, so yeah. everything's dependent on the tide. So it's like if you leave at the wrong time. You're out, but if you <laughs> exactly. leave at the right time, you know, because you're kind of you, you, your area of movement is much smaller. Yeah. So, well, yeah. what would you I, say your favorite tide is for fishing? Like, if you had to just pick one tide overall to, to, to target like inshore fish, the last half of falling tide of falling. is always the most productive for me yeah. for uh, like reds, flounder, and trout. Okay. Um, for sheep's head and stuff and black drum, I like high tide. Yeah. Um, I just find like the areas I fish, they kind of congregate on because I, I like to get them in a little bit of deeper water, For sure. um, mostly near like bulkheads and rocks and stuff. But, um, yeah, trout and flounder and redfish, the last half of falling tides pretty much where, where I would say I'd have most of my luck. And I think a lot of that too is because there's less water. So there's, you know, fish in less water. It's easier to pick apart and find them because they're going to be on, you know, there's less water for them to be in. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. And they're, they're going to be moving. They're going to be following the bait. They're going to be moving out of the, uh, shallow spots. They could get to earlier and like the high tide. And then they're going to be following them out to the deeper waters, which are easier to post up in a kayak on a grass bank and just cast into the, you know, little eddy near the current and pick it apart. Sure. And find stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, it's uh it, it, there you know there's so many different scenarios at different tides that play out but that that low tide I, I always say well it really depends um, on the time of year but if I'm a lot of the time in the summer I'm fishing down on the Cape Fear River and that last and I'm doing a lot of sight fishing so the last two hours first two hours last two hours of the fall first two hours of the rise um, you know everything's just more concentrated and and the bait can't be up in the grass everything's you know out exposed that's when you know stuff's happening high tide um except for the fish that you know like you were saying the black drum and the sheep's head that are feeding on maybe stuff that's 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 not mobile um it it, that high tide is effective for them but yeah i'm totally with you i'm pretty much just saying that i agree but um so let's go on to this we had some more questions right down here um how when you're on the water how do you adjust like if, if you need to be flexible so like we were saying like with a kayak you know, you don't have a ton of range, but, uh, if, if you're in an area and it's not working, like what, what do you do? I know you were mentioning you bring a couple of different rods uh, or, or, or you bring rods that are kind of a, a medium rod so you can go across the board and fish for whatever. But what are some other tactics you use to, uh, to be a little more versatile when maybe it's not going the way you're planning? Um, it really comes down to two things for me. One is like the spots I choose to fish yeah. and the other one is the, uh, gear I bring. Okay. So with the spots I pick, I like to have spots that kind of have like a wide variety of, uh, spot like areas to fish. So, um, I like spots that have like uh, fast moving water running out of like uh, tighter areas 
Um, I like them to have some holes in the back that you can't really get to easily. You have to go through some skinny water to get to them. I mean, just some deeper and, holding areas, holes in the back? Yeah. Okay. And then I, I like them to be closer to, like, main waterways with, like, docks yeah. and uh, big oyster beds and stuff on them. I like it. Because then, depending on what's going on, it's like I don't have to move that far to get to a different kind of area. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's pretty easy to move around. And then um, with the gear I bring, it's like I like to bring really light stuff into, like, some heavier stuff just depending on the current and what the water's doing and what's around. It's like no matter what. I can try to catch something. So, right. uh, you know, I, I really like to fish the Ned rigs just because they're so small and everything seems to pick them up. Um, I've actually caught some really big flounder on Ned rigs for some reason. Like, I don't know what's really? going on. That's they cool. just pick them up. Are you um, fishing but, just a Ned, like a Cinco little worm on the Ned rig? Or yeah, you... with with the, uh, the Z-Man, um, like the thermoplastic style, gotcha. just because they, they kind of pop up and float in the right. water like once they hit the bottom. And uh, I think that helps a lot with uh, the small profile. Definitely. Have you played and, around with uh, any of the, the Ned creature baits that they're making? Yeah, I like the um, – what is it? It's not that far off from the regular Ned rig, but the Tickler, the like TRD yeah, yeah, Tickler. Yeah, that, that thing's like awesome. the, Yeah, little – tentacles coming off the back oh, yeah yeah uh, i like that it's pretty cool and then uh the crawfish is awesome because yeah. it's kind of it's like in between like a crawfish and a shrimp almost to me so because it's so small yeah. and it's got the antennas on it so i i, I like all those things the day and i like how oh, sorry, I like how they hold up yeah, sorry no, i like how they hold up like it's nice they hold up super well the day that i realized that i didn't have to buy saltwater plastics to fish in salt water i was yeah. like uh, not that it was like I didn't think you could fish other soft plastics, mm-hmm. but the 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 range of shapes and and patterns yeah. and you know different imitations that they do with freshwater is insane. And and in the winter, it, well, there's you know there's kind of applications for both, but all the appendages and a lot of the creature baits and the crawfish that they use in freshwater work great in the saltwater. You know, lots of yeah. little micro movements on a bait that you don't have to you know sit there and reel a paddle tail all the way in. You can fish a bait really slow and still have a lot of movement. Yeah. Cool. And another thing I love about the, um, like the wider range of baits is like, I, I, I use Procure a lot. I'm a big fan of Procure. Yeah. And, uh, some of the ones that have a little bit more like cuts and stuff in it that like bass fishermen use, mm-hmm. like they hold Procure really well. And, uh, you know, it just helps me like feel more confident in what I'm tossing out there. Definitely. Definitely. I, I like the, uh, I like your answer there for uh, how to be more versatile. And I, I, a lot of times I feel like I need to apply that to myself but guiding i get so sucked in onto like a game plan and the other problem too is people are a lot of clients call in and they're like i want to go fly fish redfish or i want to go you know catch bull redfish on the jetty or you know they have a very yeah. set idea of what they want to do which is great mm-hmm. but the versatility as a weekend warrior i think is huge and that kind of leads me in to this next segment of, of what we're talking about pre-show is like how does the year dictate the time of year dictate you know what you're going to fish for it and 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 spend your time targeting so you know took years to figure it out like putting everything together like what was going to work for me plus with what i enjoy and uh, what's easy to target like doesn't take that much time to figure out and uh, i kind of built myself like a little calendar um i haven't really written it out like fully but um, starting in the spring, if they show up, I really like to target the um, the chopper bluefish. Um, catching a 15 pound bluefish in a foot and a half of water on it's a kayak is it's a it's a it's an experience. Um, I was I hooked one on a um, 
you know, one of the bigger Elias shads and I just started getting towed around this little Creek. <laughs> and, um, it's crazy how well a bluefish can pull you in between the oyster beds rather than straight through them. Wow. It's, it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. It's like, they, it's like they know where they're going. <laughs> and, um, so I was fighting one of them and then all of a sudden the line went like kind of slack and then picked up again. And when I finally got the fish in, half of its head had been like a fist size hole had been ripped out of it by another bluefish. Oh my gosh. And it was just insane. They're the vicious. Picture I got, it's like terrible quality, but you know, it's just, you know, that fish <clears throat> is just so aggressive in such skinny water. Uh-huh. It's just, it's fun. So if they show up, um, last year they weren't very thick, but, um, the two years before that I got on them really good with some friends Heck yeah, and, uh, it was fun. So then once, uh, that happens, and th- this isn't set in stone. This is kind of just like what I do, like main goal for that time of year. And once that's over and the bluefish kind of thin out, um, you know, I might get lucky and there'll be some really clean days. I go chase like a near shore Benito on the uh, kayak, like the true Atlantic ones. Yeah. And um, that's fun. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just catch false albacore all day though. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's me. And then, um, I really like to fish for uh, sheep's head after that. Um, kind of like early May they'll, they'll be around. Do you have a good. specific rig that you like to fish for sheep's head with? Because it's getting so technical sheep's head fishing is there. Yeah, it was just, everyone was using either the like, uh, Chesapeake Bay, like drop shot or the, uh, with the big loop or yep. the, um, you know, Carolina rig, but I, I got sucked into, um, using the jigs now yeah and i I actually bought a mold and i i make them myself oh, now sweet. right on and so it's got a it, it swings and um i can make a couple different sizes i usually just stick with one ounce um i do think the um fixed hook sheep's head jigs like the insomniac guide um bottom sweeper jigs yep. and the um, some of the togfish um ones work better the but, fact that uh, it's fixed helps yeah, with the hookup ratio? It, it, I think it helps with the hookup ratio. Okay. Um, that being said, the biggest sheep's head I ever caught was caught on one of those. And uh, I, I thought I was hooked into a redfish, and it was a 12-pound sheep's head. Nice. That's awesome. And uh, I, I probably won't catch one that big again in North Carolina. But um, I was pretty <laughs> hey, stoked. So Yeah, it could happen. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. And uh, – I'll bring it up real quick, but I, I, since I have that mold, I can actually uh, make some other stuff. Yeah. And so this is kind of like almost like a poison swingtail jig. Hold it up um, a little bit higher so we can see it. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. So it, it's similar to a lot of the other stuff that's coming out now, but um, I can make them up to a one ounce. Usually I stick to a half ounce there. Explain and, um, for people listening what, what, that, what that jig's for. If you um, couldn't so see I, it, how would you explain it? um basically the um it's a swing hook it's also known as like a poison jig or something i think a lot of bass fishermen use it um with um like their uh, crawdad jigs and stuff and um it lets the bait swing and uh, you can get um, a bigger um jig head on it and basically how i use it is um, i I like to use the z-man plastics with it because they have the buoyancy and uh, I can cast it out into deeper water with high current, and that bait will just flutter on the bottom, and some will come by and pick it up yeah. like every time. Yeah, like if there's something cool. there, it'll pick it up. So that's kind of like how I started making the sheep's head jigs, and I was like, you know, I'm going to try out other hooks with this and see what I can get away with. And so um, once the sheep's head, I kind of get burnt out on those. 
um, I'll, I'll fish for redfish. Like, the, the redfish to me is like our bass, like our largemouth bass. Like anytime it's slow, I'm fishing for redfish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, they're, they're uh, pretty, you know, fail proof at times, but when yeah. they, when they're not, it, yeah. And your butt. That's typically when I'm trying to fish for them. That's <laughs> <Right. laughs> when I can't find any of yeah. them. But, um, they're, they're so much fun. Like I love it. It's our state fish. Like I feel very prideful in that because you know redfish to me is like such a cool fish yeah they're cool fish and uh, then um i'll start to flounder fish you know they're closed right now but i, I still like to catch them and let them go yeah. and see how they're doing in like certain areas and stuff it's crazy Be- how the uh you know the with the flounder fishing even i'm such a catch and release advocate but even with the season being closed, it's just so ingrained in us to keep flounder. Like why fish for yeah. flounder if you can't keep them, but they're really fun they're, to target. You know, the amount of boats that went up on Craigslist when they closed flounder season was insane. Was it really? Was like, yeah. Like can't gig no more. Gotta get rid of this. Oh my <laughs> that, gosh. that was the whole, that was the whole ad. Like <laughs> I saw tons of them oh, man. and, uh, you know, like I, I, I love flounder to eat. Like it's very good. Like I love it, but I feel like, if someone catches a flounder, they want to keep it. And it's just like you said, ingrained. Yeah. It's like, so ingrained. It's so it, hard to get it, away it's, from. It, it is hard to let one go though. Like a really nice one. You're like, dang, that you know, that'd be good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I usually was releasing most of the fish I caught anyway. Right. So I wasn't, too, I wasn't too hurt from that, yeah. you know, but I, I do love to catch them. I think that it's unique how they can be difficult to hook sometimes, you know, and so I find that like as a different challenge, not just finding them, but like getting the hookup ratio good when you find a, a patch of them. Cause I think of them as like crops, like they're all sitting bottom in the, in a group and they're all like a foot or two apart and they're just hanging out. Yeah. It's so weird. And they're all different sizes. Like you never, oh, it, they're, they're different to me. Like it's like a whole nother game. Yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, then I like to fish for a uh, black drum and the uh, sheep's head will be mixed in with them. And uh, just fiddler crabs on uh, those jig heads I showed you um, near bulkheads. Uh, basically, I, I'd come up to a spot there and I'd scrape the barnacles, tie off my kayak. And you can get under docks and next to docks and in bulkheads. And like, I've fought some black drum that were, you know, 20, 30 pounds in some really tight spots. Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> they, they usually break off, but it's pretty cool when you do catch one. Yeah. Like, wow, I just did that. That's insane. That's one of the huge things with a kayak that, that opens up that sheep's head and blackhead, not blackhead, sheep's head and black drum fishery, <laughs> uh, like yeah. crazy. Cause you know, with a boat one, you can't get to a lot of these spots and get up in where you need to be. And two, yeah. you know, it's, it's not quite as painful to hear your kayak scratching a little bit on the a- oysters abs- as a, as fiberglass. Absolutely. And that's one thing is like, yeah, I have a, a Hobie compass now. Um, but when I didn't and I had I, I bought a hundred dollar kayak on Craigslist and I was using that for a while and I, I've still yet to catch as much fish in my hobie as I did in that hundred dollar kayak. Yeah. But it, a lot of it was cause I could just let it scrape all day and not <laughs> not worry about it, like just smashing into the I didn't even have to scrape the barnacles with my paddle because my kayak, kayak was that? just smashing into the bulkheads, you know? That's good. Scraping docks. And uh, so that, that's fun. And you'll you'll catch a lot of redfish doing that too. Like they'll be mixed in with the black drum and sheep's head. And that's fun because each one fights differently and you're like 
guessing which one it's gonna I love be that game. <laughs> yeah it's it's fun and sheepshead fishing to me is like inshore grouper fishing like once you're hooked up like get it away from the rocks and then <laughs> and then you're Don't good broken off so, yeah <laughs> i have a lot of fun with that and then like when it's slow on that like late fall um the flounder like back to the flounder yeah. they're they're just everywhere and they're fun um especially when you get a big one like it's almost like grinding through all the little ones to get to that nice one because you know it's going to be there right. once you start getting the little ones. And that nearshore flounder fishing too, like they eat hard inshore, but nearshore, like when I'm when the times I bait fished for them out there, and it's something I'm getting more and more into. I mean, they'll lay the rod over like a redfish in the rod holder. Yeah, I mean, they'll absolutely smash it. Like you're like this. There's no way this is a flounder, but it it is. It, it is a they're, it's weird how once they're out there, like they just become so much more aggressive. Yeah, it's crazy. Like. They'll hit stuff like a few feet off the bottom and you'll never know it's a flounder. Yeah. I've watched some underwater footage of flounder, like chasing baits way up off the bottom and like following them, you know, like halfway up yeah. to the, to the boat, which is, you, you never think of that happening. Yeah. And maybe that's I, uh, not very common, but it happens. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do a lot of uh free diving around the jetty and stuff and I've had flounder swim above me. Like really? When I'm, on the bottom i like look up and there's a flounder like midwater column just cruising i'd be like is that and a I'm tiny like, boat up there or is that I'm a flounder like, what is that i was like that's a flounder that's and crazy like, what so it, it's pretty funny how like we we have set in our minds like what each fish should be doing yeah and then they just do the opposite they don't care definitely i know <laughs> that's that's where it's like don't you want to like learn as much as you can but never be set in your ways always yeah. be open to changing things up and, and, and targeting fish in different ways. And as soon as you think you've got something dialed and you know it really well, and you don't, you, you know, you're like, oh, I don't need to need to keep trying to learn in this. I'm just going to run this, yeah. this routine. That's when you're, you're, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and, and you have to do that. If you don't have a lot of time to fish and to devote to it, like you have to be flexible yeah. or you're just going to be miserable every weekend. It's just going to be, well, that didn't work. You know, it's like, you got to be flexible. You got to use your tools. You got to, you know, you got to put in the time beforehand because you're not going to be able to learn as much from being on the water right. because you're not, you're not able to. So you have to use other people's knowledge from being on the water as best as you can Definitely. to, you know, act as your own. Definitely. It's, uh, yeah, that's huge. Um, and, and one of the big things too, like we were talking about is, is definitely, you know, as a weekend warrior, granted if you want to go out and catch redfish and that's like what you really want to focus on you can go try that every time you're on the water or go try trout fishing every time you're on the water but yeah but trying to learn like a, a variety of different ways to fish and, and fish to targets is going to really open up um you know your i would say your chances of being successful in the water so, yeah. you know, don't get, I mean, pick a couple fish this summer and the spring and well, this winter moving into the summer that you really want to try to learn. Well, um, you know, pick one that maybe you're catching a lot of redfish and stick with that, but maybe devote a lot of time. Be like, I'm going to devote a lot of time to flounder fishing this summer, or I'm going to devote a lot of time to maybe trying to figure out how to catch trout better in the summer. Cause that's a tough one here and it's definitely doable, but it, it, it requires, um, you know, it requires spending a little bit more time, um, just focusing on that. And then when you've got this arsenal of, of different types of fish and different ways to target them in your pocket, it's, it's going to be a lot better for you on the, uh, on the Saturdays and Sundays that you, that you get to go out. So my last question for you is this, um, for people, you know, pe weekend warriors out there and, and other, other, uh, anglers that aren't necessarily weekend warriors. Um, what are some of your favorite like tools and, 
and, uh, you know, resources to help you prepare for a day on the water? Um, a lot of it is just, you know, you want to read something that's exciting is going to keep you like entertained throughout the week. So, um, old fishing articles, I don't care how old it is, I'll read it. And, uh, I've learned a lot of great stuff from articles that are 10, 15 years old that oh, yeah. still apply today. And a lot of those older, like Carolina sportsman articles, will say like the when and where, and it's like, well, there you go. Like you just told me what I needed to know. Yeah. And uh, the Fisherman's Post um, fishing reports are amazing oh, resources. Yeah. I find great. You know, I, I worked there for a bit. Right, right. So That's how you I'm and Billy kind of, got to know each other, right? Yeah, so, I'm kind of biased, but um, but that, you know, you probably wrote that, the fishing reports. That's why you like that, them. That, I'm just kidding. They, no, they're great. I, they're really solid. <laughs> but they, they do help a lot with uh, people trying to figure out what's going on, and uh, it's a quick resource website, paper, whatever. Um, a lot from that, and they go back, you know. Um, almost 15 years now so there's a lot of built-up knowledge you know you can go okay i'm in carolina beach what was happening this year this month what was happening the year after that and you kind of like you know build a bigger picture of what could be going on um and then google earth amazing resource um, i like Windfinder and windy for uh knowing what's going on with the water temperature wind yep. and um stuff like that i was using swell info for a while um, which was a surfing um, um, website that kind of had like the uh, tides, waves, weather, water temperature, and stuff like that. But something happened on their back end, and uh, all their data got messed up, so it, like wasn't accurate at all. But I, I love that; it gave me a visual of like what the waves were hitting the beach, so I knew like what I could do that yeah. weekend, days in advance. Because like as a kayak fisherman, like inshore is amazing, but like. I always want to like push it out a little bit. And so if the waves are down, it's like, I'm, I'm going to send the kayak yeah, for as sure. far as I can while being safe, obviously, um, out there to see what I can like jig off, uh, some near shore ledges and stuff. Definitely. Um, other tools is you just gotta like, this is kind of like a thing like to do yourself, but just keep it simple. Um, every time I try to bring too much stuff, I end up miserable. Um, I tried to go, uh, weather turned on me and I tried to go change of plans. So I wanted to catch a striper in the Cape fear. Um, I ended up snagging my rod for like the 30th time on something in the bottom of the river. <laughs> and, uh, I, I got kind of upset and I snapped it on accident trying to get the, uh, get the jig back. And, um, I was pretty upset, but like, I was like going to deal with it. And I was texting my girlfriend to let her know, like, ah, oh, I just snapped the rod and I actually drifted into a tree and uh, snapped another rod right oh there. Oh my god! Like, like minutes <laughs> after. That's so terrible. The more the more stuff you bring, the more stuff you're gonna break. The more stuff you're gonna drop in the water. Um, you know, you're not gonna be happy on a kayak if you're crowded. Yeah. You know, you're always gonna be second guessing yourself. And like, you can very easily this? become crowded on a kayak. There's not a oh ton of space. It's terrible. <laughs> and I, I'm such a like big uh, big issue of mine is like. I'll get snagged, I'll cut the line, and then I'll just grab the next rod. And I'll tie I'll tie on whatever I was using. And it gets to the point, if I have three rods, I'll have three rods that now don't have anything tied on. <laughs> and it's like, I wish I would have just brought one and just, like, you know, kept Stuck retying. With it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so. Well, let's do this one last question. Then. What, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but, like, on your kayak, you're limited with space. What are your um, things you're always going to have on your kayak with you? 
Um, always going to have either a knife or uh, scissors. Um, I like to use these. I just had them out. Um, they're like the paramedic scissors oh, you can yeah. buy at like army supply stores. Um, they're really good for uh, cutting everything because they're used to you know cut everything for like first responders. Yep. Um, I got my first pair from my dad who had them in a bag. He was a corpsman in the Navy, so he just had a bunch of cool stuff. So I really like those. Um, they cut crab good, cut bait good. Um, a lighter because I like to um, – just clean up my uh, knots and stuff with the lighter. It just makes me feel better about myself yeah. <laughs> and um, fish grips. Cause I will every once in a while throw a mirror lure and end up with three trebles in my pants <laughs> with a, with a trout attached. Yeah. So fish grips. And um, other than that, just like, you know, the normal stuff, paddle life jacket, yeah. like don't forget to pack it. Cause it's a long way back to your house when you forget something and you were that close to the water. Definitely favorite boat snack that's the last one i keep coming up with the great questions <laughs> oh man i honestly like i don't know what it is but i never eat when i'm fishing see i love it, 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 fishing. it's it's always like I, i'll start off with a like monster energy drink or something like a rock star and i'll just sip on it for a bit and then i'll switch to water yeah <laughs> but i never eat and i think what it is is because i'm like you know after a good day of fishing it's like so nice to just relax and eat a ton of food yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad yeah, that... but um i did I, I i made a change recently and um i don't I'll, I'll still kayak fish but i did just go in on a 19 foot catamaran nice heck yeah so I, I made a big a big leap um so i i co-own a 19 foot catamaran now and uh we'll see what changes with that right on Are you talking um, like a like a fishing style catamaran yeah, it's a center console. Um, right now, it's set up for fishing and uh, diving, um, so That's it's got a awesome. big dive ladder in the back. I'm can't believe it actually happened. Uh-huh. Like things worked out, um, and I'm super stoked. It's big enough I can take the kayak on it though. Like I could fit two kayaks on there easily, so there might be like some uh, mother shipping opportunities. Yeah, but, I can already um, see some kayak fishing at the frying pan tower mother shipping. Yeah, yeah, it, cool. it, it'll be fun. So I'm excited about that. I'm still going to kayak fish though because I love it. There's nothing like getting pulled around by a fish. Um, your kayak acts as like another drag system almost. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy. Like you can just tire them out, just let them tow you around. That's cool. Um, so I'm excited about you know, everything. Yeah. That's exciting, now. man. Don't get rid of the kayak though. Cause now I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, should I buy a kayak? Like I really like kayak fishing. Will I use it? If the I saw my wife, get... I was even debating like wanting to maybe get a kayak. She would be like, no, you shut your mouth. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, I'm afraid I just wouldn't use it enough. Like this time of year doing some freshwater stuff, I think I would, but, um, it's so hard to not just take my skiff when I'm saltwater yeah. fishing. So. Absolutely, especially because your skiff can get pretty shallow. Yeah, I like can get a lot of places. Worried about that. It can go up but um, if you follow um, Jimmy Buffett of all people on Instagram, yep. you know he's got tons of boats, tons of money. He's got a seaplane or something. Yeah, and he will fly fish from his paddleboard constantly. Really, that's super so cool. There, there's got to be something. I don't you know, follow something. You said about, on Instagram. I don't follow. I need to follow. Yeah, him on Instagram. It, it's insane. Like how much it's just fishing. Like it's just like following someone's fishing Instagram. Yeah. Of all people. That's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but we had so much good information. It's crazy how quickly 
an hour. Well, we're doing with these, we're doing them a little bit shorter, I guess, but, but for, I mean, we've been talking for 45 minutes, which is just nuts. I mean, it's like, it flies by. Yeah. Cause I, I can just keep talking. So <laughs> <laughs> I can too. We should have set a timer. I, like, all right, you're no, done. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I like just letting it go to where it goes, but we kind of hit the main points there. And, and I, I really like your, uh, your view and, and, uh, your knowledge, man, there's a lot to, uh, lot to learn from you so if people want to you know pick your brain a little bit more maybe see if y'all be compatible fishing buddies like what 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 would be a good way for them to reach out to you probably just instagram Instagram? cool that that seems to be you know the platform i use mostly um it's a little easier to weed through everything on instagram that is on like facebook and stuff definitely so So instagram you guys if you're if you're watching the video you can see it here at the bottom of the screen zach of all trades but if you're listening it's uh, it's Zach, which is Z A K K, and then it's underscore of, which is O V, and then underscore all, and then underscore trades. So Zach of all trades, um, with uh, with the double K's in the Zach. I like that. Yeah, there. Um, real quick, there's a um, there's another Zach with two K's in North Carolina, uh-huh. and he's a uh, catfishing guide. Oh, sweet. And uh, we were born the same year, I think, and. It, it's crazy. Um, he caught the uh, state record blue catfish up there in Ga- tw- Lake Gaston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Within okay. within 24 hours, he beat his own record, <laughs> and everyone thought it was me. Really? For like a <laughs> week, like I was getting so many calls, so many people like messaging me, and I was like, "That's not me," because they, they just associated Zach with two Ks. He likes fishing. That's got to be him. So that's incredible. Yeah, that re- I got to share this story too. I think it's time for me to confess this because that just reminded me of it. Um, did you take credit for it at all ever? No, okay. I wish. Okay. So you said you, you said you like to surf, right? Oh, I, I, I dive. Oh, dive. dive. You, when you keep yeah. you were saying surf fit, like paddling through the surf, but then I was like, Oh wait, you were talking about paddling his kayak. Through the surf. I, I've tried to surf. I'm not, uh, no, I'm not good. So <laughs> I, I'm not good anymore either, but I used to surf a lot in college and I, I went up to the outer banks, uh, one time during a, a big swell in the, it was like, I, it was like dead of winter. It was pretty freaking cold. And there's this professional surfer up there named Jesse Hines. He runs a little uh, little ice cream or a little frozen yogurt shop up in Nagset. Super cool dude, um, really down to earth. And we both had the same brand surfboard, but uh, like they were both painted the same way. So it was oh. black at the bottom and green at the top. <laughs> and uh, we're out surfing in Frisco, which is uh, kind of lower Outer Banks. Yeah. And it was like really big. I was sitting out there for a long time before I was paddling into a wave. I think I caught like four waves in six hours. I was just, it's a little, a little beyond my ability. And, uh, and so Jesse catches this wave and gets this huge barrel, like super, super long barrel. And, uh, and I get to the beach and I'm walking on the beach and these like three dudes are walking. They're like, Oh man, we saw that barrel you got earlier. That was awesome. (laughs) And I was like, Thanks guys. <laughs> and just kept walking <laughs> and like totally took credit for his, his big oh, girl. But, but, great. Uh, but yeah, your story, I haven't thought of that story in forever and you're part of it. <laughs> not fishing worthy at all, but it was time for me to confess that. So, um, but That's yeah, awesome. man, well, thanks so much for coming. We'll have to get together and do some yeah, fishing no sometime. If I do pull That'd the trigger on a kayak, I'll, I'll have to pick your brain a little bit. Um, that'll be fun. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, thanks Definitely. guys. Um, we're going to close it out here. Like I said, remember to go check out the, uh, the Facebook group uh eastern current fishing we're gonna build a little community there um but yeah this weekend warrior series is super fun we're gonna keep them coming at you i've got so i said i was gonna do them every other week we might just we might have them every week it might be every other week so i'm, I'm enjoying recording these um and 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 talking with with different guys about 
um, you know, their strategies as a weekend warrior. So stay tuned and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Later, y'all.